Hi everyone, I'm Les. And I'm Ashley. And you're listening to Anthropotamus, where we explore some of your favorite anthropology topics. Hey everyone, today we are discussing ADHD, A Hunter in a Farmer's World by Tom Hartman. I actually really enjoyed this book. Uh, what about you, Les? Oh, thoroughly. I actually learned quite a bit from it. Um, more than that, I um, started to view it in a, in a very different way. ADHD? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I think that we constantly are grow up being thought of as ADHD as a disorder, whereas um, this book discusses it as... This community that we're brought up in isn't set up for those of us who do have ADHD. And I did have a quote here that I wanted to um, pull out from chapter one where it's, it's not at all a malfunction. To the contrary, it's a coherent functioning response to a different kind of world and society than that in which most of us live. Um, so it's, I, I mean, I like that. I like that. It's not that we are incapable of learning things. We just learn things differently. Um, yeah. I mean, it definitely makes sense as well, just because if you think about the way people and um, societies have adapted over time, you try different things, and as whatever works keeps working, it continues on. Uh, society being different now, you'll, you'll see a lot of things that we just haven't had time to adapt yet. Um, something also, before we move on, is um, he does mention that males are much more likely to get diagnosed than females and this is often thought that men are more likely to have ADHD but is it really that men are more likely to have it or that society's uh, upbringing of women or young girls um, were just perceived differently and taught to behave differently so that symptoms often are ignored so for example young boys bouncing off the wall, he can't focus, he must have ADHD, whereas for myself growing up, I couldn't focus, but nobody knew that because I would sit quietly and daydream all day. Um, much much more easy, easy, it's much more easy to ignore the young girl daydreaming she's Xena, warrior princess, than it is to ignore the young boy who's, you know, throwing pencils at the kid in front of him. You expect boys to be rowdy and you expect boys to do things, you know, get caught getting in trouble, stuff like that. And it does, it doesn't stand out when that happens. Uh, but um, for me and my brothers, I know growing up, we always had issues in class. My brother was diagnosed with uh, ADHD. I was not. Um, later years, I've noticed that I have uh, quite a few of the symptoms, especially after reading this book and actually having a little bit of information presented to me. So, I mean, I mean, like I brought up, I really love this new perception on ADHD. Um, I remember, you know, this isn't so common now, I feel like, but uh, several years ago, I remember always seeing articles about how, oh, your children watching too much TV as infants will cause ADHD. And I'm like, well, I was a latchkey kid. I spent most of my childhood at home watching <laughs> TV. Is that why I have ADHD? Um, but it really gives you this new perception, and it made me think about, you know, family history. What are some behaviors that my family... Um, demonstrated um, is it possible I got it from my you know my great-grandmother or something um, so I mean I really like this and I think that this new uh, I don't I don't want to say it's a new stance on ADHD but this um, what I also like about this is going at it at a, as a new perspective not as a disorder but as a different way of perceiving the world 
is a great way to present it to your child. So definitely would, if your child has ADHD, this is definitely a book I would recommend because it's not, I would imagine it's not good growing up being told there's something wrong with you. You don't want to tell your child there's something wrong with you. You just want to tell them you think differently. We're going to find a new way to learn. This is your reality. And we have to react to that reality a little Mm -hmm. bit differently. Just like somebody who has a, um, you know, problems walking. Well, yeah, problems walking. So what's their reality, right? They have to react to that. They have to um, really just live with that. And the thing about ADC is because it's such a hidden thing, like you don't see it evidently. Most people just perceive it as, um, well, you're distractible or this or that. And you're, you're told that it's a disorder that you can't do anything about. Well, the rest of the public disbelieves the fact that it's happened to you or anything is wrong. Right. Or you just need to focus more. Exactly. <laughs> like, well, I, I can Jeez. tell you what. Why well, hadn't I thought of that? <laughs> yeah. This would solve your problem right here if you just pay attention. Um, kind of getting us back onto the whole, I mean, yeah, this yeah. is the anthropology podcast. Um, <laughs> um, but going, going, uh, moving back to that he does uh bring up um how we perceive normal normal quotation marks people people to be and the origins of agriculture and how in um how these establishment agriculture benefit those who do not have adhd and this sedentary lifestyle benefit them and Specifically, it was something about um, them being able to see the value in um, future gains rather than momentary gains. Right. Right. So um, the farmer being able to sit on the, um, you know, their on their crops and making sure that no um, nothing came in and tore them up or birds or whether it be birds or anything else mm-hmm. like a, like that versus you know somebody being with, on the hunt. Yeah, somebody with ADAC wouldn't be able to do that because you're just sitting there doing nothing, waiting for something to happen. Right. Um, right, and it goes into, um, later on discusses uh, the benefits um, in regards to being a hunter. And, and, you know, it made a lot of sense. Like, for me, always being so easily distracted, um it's like I'm constantly always trying to look for something. Um, and this might be a silly example, but I'm in, you know, I'm at TJ Maxx and you go through that aisle with all this, all the candy in the bags and the crap you don't need to buy. And I, I, every time I go through there, I'm constantly looking around and I'm thinking, man, I'm very rude because I'm not looking at the cashier. When she's speaking to me, I'm thinking to myself, oh, sorry, cashier, that I'm not looking at you. And, and I guess I'm kind of going on a tangent now, but I feel like there's this constant distraction. Where I'm constantly having to look around me to see what mm-hmm. there is. But it makes sense if you're a hunter, which I'm definitely not, don't consider myself a hunter, <laughs> but I've never hunted in my life. Um, but I mean, it makes sense. You're always looking out for the dangers. You're always looking out for that hunt. Um, but yeah, what do you want to add on to that? Well, I mean, as far as that goes, I don't think that I necessarily qualify as a hunter either. I do do a lot of fishing and um, try to go out and hike as often as I can. And I can definitely say that um, the distractibility 
um, it, it's, uh, it, it can be an asset. I've um, had instances where I've almost stepped on poisonous snakes or um, fallen down uh, you know, certain areas that uh, it looks solid, but I noticed something small, which tips me off, and I you know, was able mm-hmm. to avoid things like that. Um, that distractibility, it's, uh, it just draws your attention. You know, a lot of um, people talk about you know, their inability to uh, really pay attention to more than one thing. Yeah, I mean, um, a lot like, for instance, like listening to two different sounds at the same time, like somebody's talking to you while you're listening to music, um, it can be very difficult to keep track of both. Uh, I think people with uh, with ADHD or ADHD symptoms, a lot of times are more easily able to just switch between the two, and that was something I think he discussed in the book as well as switching between tasks. Yeah, I actually do that a lot in class. Um, I'm that person in class who's like on Candy Crush in the middle of class, and it's not that I'm paying attention; it's just my hands have to be doing something and which is funny is I'm the one you know rudely being on Candy Crush in the middle of a lecture but I'm also the only one participating Mm -hmm. um but definitely on and I noticed too is I'll be sitting there watching TV and I'm like why am I on my phone well I guess this is probably common for a lot of people why are you on your phone why are you supposed (laughs) to be watching this show but I have lately I feel like um it's getting worse I can't sit down and watch a show anymore but see my my wife can't um can't listen to music and talk to anybody at the same time. Really? Really. So she has she, a hyper focus. She's very hyper focused. She she cannot um, uh, deviate from what she's doing. Two sounds at the same time really bothers her because she can't focus on either one. Whereas like I like you said, you know, watching TV and actually doing something on your phone. Um, I, for instance, will listen to you know, audiobooks, podcasts, stuff like that all the time while I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. And um, being able to, you know, keep track of the dialogue in the back of my head and actually be able to repeat it was uh, a big plus for me in classes and whatnot is how I got through most of them because I was spending mm-hmm. the rest of the time doodling, right? I could actually, I did the same thing. Yeah, I, I did could, a lot um, of doodling. I would just, you know, do, mm-hmm. doodle, draw, whatever, you know, I was doing during class. I sometimes would even write during class that was unrelated and you know whenever you're called on you know like well what's going on why aren't you paying attention is able to repeat you know the last minute and a half of conversation so um i may not have processed it in the moment but i was listening and i knew what you were saying i have had someone uh snap at me once in the middle of a meeting like i was doodling which is what i do to help me the doodling helps prevent me from daydreaming while someone is talking and this person snapped at me and was like, put that pencil down. Why aren't you listening? That's so rude. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm sorry. And I put my pencil down. But I'm thinking afterwards, I'm thinking, why did I listen to her? I should have just told her to shut up and went back to doodling. But, um, yeah, I don't even know the point of me saying that was. But um, oh, you got a vent. That's okay. I got a vent a little bit. <laughs> Damn her. <laughs> should have just let me doodle. Um, something, though, that I want to point out is, just because he says some identifies that someone with ADHD as a hunter, does that not mean that you can throw an ADHD person out into a forest and expect them to survive? Well, I could probably survive. You out could in the forest, actually, but... technically, I might be able to. Yeah, I, I, I was you, you forced. Yes, but I was forced a lot as a child to go camping and stuff. I can well, do it. Go. I just don't like it. Um, 
dirt. I don't like dirt. I don't know. <laughs> I am all but, about dirt. <laughs> but um, but I do like that he does point out that if we are raised at a young age to be hunters, then yes, we'll be well adapted to do it. But throwing, you know, a 37-year-old with ADHD who's never hunted out into mm-hmm. the forest does not mean we're going to be hunters. Well, I mean, when you look at sports settings, right, you have your, um, you know, your, your reliable, you know, same kind of, you know, able to do that same thing over and over, right? I, I don't know enough about sports to really highlight uh, yeah. anything. But I can say that, you you know, when you have your... Um, you know, your, your mavericks out there. A lot of time it's those people who are trying different things and they're practicing the same thing. The, uh, the distractibility, I think he also addresses it. It comes with short periods of hyper-focus yeah. where you practice those same skills over and over again or really focus on learning a particular thing. And when you do that, you gain the ability to really access that knowledge without having to consciously um, work at it, right? So like... Right making a free throw, right? You don't make a free throw on the first attempt when you're a rookie. You practice it over and over and over again until that motion becomes natural and you know that when you stand at that line and you throw it this way, it's going to go in. Right? So, I mean, practicing those hunter skills over and over again as you grow up is definitely going to make Mm -hmm. you um, able to use those skills and being able to access them on that moment's notice with that same um, drive to just take the next action that you have when you have people with ADHD, uh, would I think that would be extremely beneficial. So sleeping, he does go into ADHD sleep. I do have, and this is, um, so I do, you know, I have my ADHD Facebook group. I have my ADHD clubhouse group. Um, all of us are night people. Of um, course. All of us have horrible sleep schedules. Um, but he goes into that. He, he discusses why it's hard for us to fall asleep, why we stay up late. Um, even goes into, um, you know, why we wake up after, you know, a couple hours of sleep. And, um, right, he discusses how basically it's a way for us to be able to wake up in a hostile environment and make sure that we can wake up and protect ourselves, right? If you're living in the forest and some... You know, yeah, and you have to be on um, on guard for predators and whatnot, especially in smaller groups. You don't have mm-hmm. the opportunity to rotate shifts. Yeah, I personally have had you know years and years of, of times where if I'll uh, if I'm going to sleep at a certain time, I'll wake up reliably every night around one o'clock or three o'clock in the morning, depending on what my schedule is. But, uh, and you know, that time just can't get back to sleep. So you go out, you walk around, you do something, you go back to bed when you're ready. I do notice too that when, um, when I'm not trying to be healthy and exercise and eat healthy, (laughs) I rely a lot on sugar and carbs. I guess carbs turn into sugar, whatever, but sugar and breads, um, to help me actually fall asleep. When I'm eating healthy, it takes, it can take me up to three hours to fall asleep and then I wake up every couple hours. Like that is my natural state of being. Um, but I was really glad to, when I read this. I was really glad. Oh, thank God, it's not just me, and there's a reason <laughs> for it uh, because I'm supposed to be protecting myself from mountain lions. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you did mention earlier. Well, not earlier in the podcast, but a few minutes ago before we started about how he reading this, this helps your sleep. 
Yeah, so um, you talked a lot about uh, or a bit about sleep hygiene during the book and um, what that meant. And I mean, for those of you who don't know, sleep hygiene is the idea that you keep your sleeping area separate from your wakeful area. And if you can do that, uh, that means that your body associates, your mind associates going to bed with sleeping, which makes it a lot easier. And, you know, in the past, I've had issues actually being able to get to sleep. You know, you sit there and you, you worry about getting enough sleep or everything else, or you worry about something that's going on during the day. Um, but either way, like after listening to the book and thinking, okay, so what if I just don't go to the room when until I'm ready to sleep and then I can just spend time, you know, working on my, you know, laptop out in the living room or watching something, reading a book, whatever it is, just do something out there until, until I feel about ready. It's usually around the same time now. Um, it's not, not too much variation at this point, but around that time, just go to bed and, um, it takes maybe 10 minutes rather than, you know, the normal hour and a half, two hours. Um, I always tell myself to start doing that and I never end up doing it. I end up in bed playing on my phone, which I guess I should just put the phone away, but just, that's the thing is it, but then I just lie there thinking about my phone, which is a horrible habit. I need a break, but it's probably never going to happen. Well, yeah, well, that, I mean, that's the thing is that was a definite um, issue as well. It's like mm -hmm. I would sit there and I would just read something on my phone. Um, now I just don't feel the urge to, when I go to bed, I just plug my phone in and able to just go to sleep. It's not, um, it, it's just I don't associate it with using my phone anymore. So I definitely feel that there was some value to that. Uh, it definitely helped me out anyway. Maybe one day I'll do it. Probably not. I <laughs> probably will never do it. <laughs> I will probably just be a miserable night person trying to go to sleep at 10 o'clock at night. Now, see, the downside <laughs> is that my computer, my main computer, is right next to the bed. So every time I sit in the computer chair, I'm, like, getting ready to, like, nod off while I'm doing whatever I need to do. So that's definitely an issue. I may have to re relocate the computer. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, something I do want to mention is it's very common. And for those, of, we hear it all, for those of us with ADHD, we hear it a lot. We'll say, oh, I have such and such symptoms. And people are like, oh, I have that. Or, oh, you just need to focus more. I, I like that he gave the list and the description of symptoms. Um, in addition to tying them to, you know, hunter habits but um i mean i think this is this is this was also great because he gave descriptions of how adhd is more than just focus mm -hmm. problems how it's um time perception um disorganization time perception is definitely something to explore yes and you know it's funny because i just saw a meme on facebook where it was it's uh, is it ralph on the simpsons yeah so ralph sitting in a booth and they're like, and it's like, uh, left early, so I wouldn't have anxiety about being late. Now I have anxiety about being too early. And I definitely, I definitely have that problem. I'm either late to something, or I'm really early to something. And I have that exact problem is, well, now I'm sitting here waiting for 15 minutes for something to start, and I have anxiety that I'm the only one dumb person here alone sitting here waiting, or I'm in my car racing with running late because I had to stop Starbucks and it took longer yeah. than I had planned. Yeah. I, I think you mentioned it today. You just plan for me to be late now. Normally, I am, you know, wherever I need to be about half an hour early and just sitting there feeling awkward. 
I would do the same thing. Or um, I had dinner with a friend of mine and we had made plans um, to meet up like at one or something. And I get a text message at her at one fifteen. Hey, what time are we supposed to meet up? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to be a few minutes late. I'm like, that is okay because I know you have ADHD and I was expecting you to be late. Um, and I was even telling my daughter, it's okay, honey. She has ADHD. We were expecting this. Um, but yes, this whole perception of time is like, it's like if, if something does not have to be done now at this moment, then it's pushed off. And yeah, procrastination, um, yeah, a lot of procrastination, but it's always a sense of now, now, now. Mm-hmm. And when I don't have something to do, I'm freaking out because I feel like I have to do something now because mm-hmm. there's always something that needs to get done. Oh yeah, of not course. there's no there's no scheduling things. Oh, I'll, I'll do this tomorrow at two o'clock. No, in my head it's now, get it done now. There is no later. Yeah, see, I have this issue uh, at at work a lot lately. It's just that, um, you know, there are times when twenty minutes feels like two hours. Yes. And other times when it feels like five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So it's. You know, I, I have a, a bit of an issue spacing my workout to a manageable rate. I tend to just do everything all in the first five minutes. And then I'm like, okay, so now I guess I wait. <laughs> yeah, and then you're freaking out like you forgot something. Mm-hmm. So then I end up it's just like going a panic. around to find out, you know, more and more things to add on to the list. Um, and that ends up being an issue where I'm running three or four projects at the same time. <laughs> and it has to get done now. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so there is, there's no, there's no present. It's just, well, he says linear flow of time. Normal people have a linear flow of time. There is no linear flow of time with me. It's no. either right now or oh, not for another year. Well, I think Einstein said that time was uh, an illusion or a, a pr- stubbornly persistent illusion or something like that. So yeah. to paraphrase at least, um, I, I think he mentioned in the book. Uh, did he mention Einstein at all? I don't remember. I don't think uh, so. He, he actually might have. There was a whole chapter at the end with famous people who probably had ADHD. But I'm going to be honest. It was probably the most boringest chapter out of this whole book. Like out of all the information he gave, it was like, it was. it's a great book. Highly recommend you go get it. But that last chapter, I just kind of skimmed through because that's when my ADHD kicked in. I was it, like, uh. It did feel like it was a lar- largely opinion-based there for me. Like, the last, uh, the last yeah. chapter? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was like, well, this person probably had ADHD because X, Y, Z. And then it's, well, none of us lived at that point in time. There's no real way for us to tell for sure. Um, so it just, it felt very... Um, unnecessary it was it, it was good information if it was true but the problem is that if right if so it we was don't, true we don't really know whether mm-hmm. any of them had adhd um as far as i'm aware i mean there there you know if there is any science that i'm unaware of i'm happy to learn about it but i don't think of any uh, i can't think of any way for them to be able to tell whether or not these people have did have adhd other than diagnosis at the time which, you know, didn't happen. No. I mean, I don't even know if there was ADHD. And they, Back then, I, mean, <laughs> I was like, was there an actual... It wasn't a disorder at the time. It was a disorder at the time, yeah. Uh, today we discuss ADHD, A Hunter in a Farmer's World by Tom Hartman. I encourage you to look him up. Uh, great Twitter feed, Facebook feed, has videos on political topics, uh, multiple books out there. I got my book off of Amazon, Less. 
I got mine on Audible. I'd spent a lot of time listening to my books, so that it, it worked out great for me. Uh, I think I will soon be switching to Audible. Uh, we are not sponsored by Audible. We no, just, we're not. But <laughs> we're just busy I people. Like, I definitely like Audible, and it uh, it always you know it, it allows me to do more than one thing, which you know kind of fits into the theme here. That is true. We do do multiple things at one time. But once again, we were discussing ADHD, A Hunter in a Farmer's World by Tom Hartman. If you would like to leave a comment for us, please do so either on Twitter or Instagram. Thank you all for listening. Distribution of Anthropotamus is in collaboration with the American Anthropological Association. Please continue to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Anthropotamus for our latest episodes, show notes, and book discussion schedule.